the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black. Talking about focusing on wealth, getting you enough capital to ray me. Last you from 60 to 100. The basic premise of the show is that you work from age 20 to 60. Social security kicks in and you suddenly realize it's not going to be enough. One of the big elephants in the room when it comes to creating wealth is where do you start? And the big elephant in the room is that the elephant knows, the elephant remembers that you always start with the budget. Budgets are horrible. Budgets are not sexy. Um, and yet, <clears throat> I kind of find them like the number one like wall of you starting your road to retirement. It, it, yes, you want a goal, $1 million to pay you $40,000 a year till the day you die. Maybe you want a bigger goal than that. Maybe you want a smaller goal than that. Um, there's jokes about budgets. Why couldn't the bad financial advisor move the debt? Why could not? Why couldn't the bad financial advisor move the debt? Why could he not move the debt? Because he couldn't budget. He couldn't budget. So financial planners have to deal with a budget. They have to deal with your goals. They have to deal with a plan to implement what your budget can afford to get you to your goals, right? Okay, well, this isn't starting off terribly well. Let's talk about how the average person can do it. Easily in my mind. The seven best money management apps to try right now for a beginner. In my mind, yes, for someone who's a little bit more seasoned. Not saying you shouldn't look at it. In fact, I'm saying it wouldn't be a horrible thing. You can't make a budget if you don't know where your money's going or how much is coming in. Therefore, Wall Street and Technology Street, Main Street, have kind of seen something where we know there's a lot of raw data out there. We know that you have a bank feed, but now you need to understand how that, that feed of data, those ones and zeros can be visualized to help you make less of a spreadsheet and more inclined to something you could understand. Maybe it's a pie. Maybe it's a, a net negative number. Maybe it's how many years you have to, to do this until you retire. But that's the beauty about what some of these apps can do. One of my favorite apps for your phone is one called Mint. Touted as a top pick across the board every single year in the financial app media. 
Mint is great for beginners and anyone who's visually stimulated. Once you connect all your accounts, the free app lets you easily pull everything together, all your transactions in the last 90 days. You can tag different expenses. You can see if it's your budget for groceries or your budget for alcohol or your budget for entertainment or your budget for travel, which is breaking your budget for retirement. Mint, as in money intelligence, M-I-N-T is the app. Next one up, Pocket Guard. This one helps you figure out how much you have left to spend on all your extras because it connects all your accounts and all your data and all your zeros and your ones. And then it starts subtracting your recurring bills. Now, one of the reasons I like Pocket Guard is during the pandemic, during maybe a surgery recovery, you start getting all these subscriptions. And you don't even know why you're getting these subscriptions. Like there's a big WWE match on it. So you get the 995 trial to WWE. You don't have to pay for the pay-per-view, 60 bucks. So you just do the 995, you one month, then you cancel after the big event, but then you forget to cancel and suddenly you're into a WWE on yearly subscription to go with all your other yearly subscriptions. Pocket Guard's pretty good at catching some of that. It's not the goal of it. But again, it, it, it starts showing you after you pay your taxes, after you pay for your 401k, after you pay for your rent, after you pay for your groceries, this is how much you're going to have for anything else. Good budget is fine if you don't like mint.com. You can, can connect one account, organize up to 20 envelopes or spinning buckets. It's To me, it's it's Okay. I don't know if I really like the envelope form of communication when it comes to finances, but good budget is very similar to mint. I prefer mint pocket guard for me is great at helping you see what is a problem in your budget and where you're coming up short. But again, all these are tools and all these are tricks and all these are tips on how you should handle your money. Another budgeting app, and again, this was one that was introduced to me years ago, and I, I still look at it. It's called YNAB, short for You Need a Budget. It uses a four-rule system to help you maintain a zero-based budget, which basically means every dollar you earn is accounted for by the end of the month. It is a paid service, but comes with workshops, which are free and budgeting guides that help some people take it that extra step further. I'm not good with workout apps. I would prefer a workout app thrown in with a trainer. Same idea. So the four budgeting apps, Mint, Pocket Guard, Good Budget, and You Need a Budget, Y-N-A-B. I'm fine with Mint doing it all for me. The ones when it comes to investing, budgeting leads to investing. I want you to budget so you can figure out your expenses, whether it be your insurance, your investments, your cost of living, uh, your bills, your obligations, your entertainment, obviously not an obligation. But when it comes to investing, I, I prefer people start with Acorns. You don't have to have a sound foundation investing to start with Acorns. I believe there is maybe five to seven questions it asks you when you sign up, but the beauty about it is, is it rounds up your spending on your credit cards. 
So anytime you spend three bucks on coffee, it could round it up to four or three dollars and ten cents. It'll round it up 90 cents. You get the basic idea and slowly over time, it'll invest for you. And if you say I want to do a lump sum of twenty five dollars every Friday, it's starting to automate you to investing. Once you get a budget that you're pretty comfortable with Mint.com, then you get do something like Acorns. You start some sort of foundation. You get an emergency fund thrown in, and you're well on your way. Now, if you want another service to start your foundation, personal capital, it's fine. It, it's a nice way for you to look at your investments in your banking accounts. It's a free app, automatically updates your net worth, and helps you set goals based on when you want to retire. It's got some pretty good tools. I don't think perfect. Sometimes they don't take into account inflation and some other very important uh, metrics. It also gives you a free consultation to a CFP, which when you're younger, I think is invaluable. Not perfect, but invaluable. Like yet it's a great learning experience. And then, you know, I, I tend not to like the Robin Hood apps. That's too much of a go do it yourself, young man. I prefer the old school like Merrill Lynch, Fidelity E-Trade, or TD Ameritrade myself. Um, but again, we're all going to be different in how we approach data and how we approach apps and what we feel comfortable with. This is a show about getting your retirement. I want you to have a comfortable retirement. So let's get you there comfortably, technologically speaking. I've been talking about the best apps for budgeting and investing. Coming up a little bit on real estate and some investment ideas tied towards REITs. Much, much more, including some of the histories of what's going on around us. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. He will be back regularly scheduled tomorrow, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, in theory. Elon Musk said something curious today, and it's a reminder of, for lack of a better word, it's a reminder of how do you pick stocks? Elon Musk said he's going to quit Twitter. And instantly I was like, that's probably a good thing in the short term because I've been seeing too many tweets mentioning publicly traded companies. Whether it's over the weekend, Elon Musk got out and talked to the CEO of Robinhood and asked why did he stop honoring the buys of GameStop after Elon Musk mysteriously tweeted something like game stunk which was a message to the game stoppers to keep it up kill the shorts tesla's had a problem with shorts for a long period of time some would say what's happened to gamestop was a quick fast version of what has happened to tesla over the last five years where People like me have doubted the ability for Tesla to earn money, and then wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, they did it. And while they were losing money, the thought was they're going to have to raise money, and they're going to hurt shareholders in the process. So he's now on a campaign of kind of showing shorts how to play the game. 
He's put Bitcoin on the map recently. He's put GameStop, Etsy, Dogecoin, Signal Advance, um, and Etsy. Eddie needs to stop doing it. He needs to be the CEO of Tesla and the CEO of SpaceX and stop manipulating stocks from a distance in a humorous manner. It's very similar to him giving his own Tesla share price target 420, which is an immature way of saying marijuana. Do I like Elon Musk? I do. Do I think he's creative? I do. Do I think he's a great CEO? I'm still being convinced of that. But he has the ability to move stocks. Bitcoin up 17% in a day with a tweet. Same thing with GameStop. Surged 60% in a half hour tradings after he said game stunk with a link to Wall Street bets. Next morning, the stock skyrocketed at 348%. A lot of people who are millennials look at Elon Musk and maybe even Jeff Bezos as the Steve Jobs and Warren Buffett of the 21st century. For lack of a better term or phrase, go with that and you'll have learned something. Elon Musk is the world's second richest man. He's also got the golden touch when it comes to picking stocks. I would just be very, very cautious. Speaking of Tesla, they're recalling 134,000 Model X and Model S cars with faulty touchscreens. Recall effects cars with 8 gigabyte media cards manufactured before March 2018. Last month, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration asked Tesla to recall the vehicles. So that's going to be a hit to Tesla, but is a hit worth buying? And the answer is typically not. Because the investment lesson is, and in the six o'clock hour of New Focus on Wealth, we tend to talk a lot of strategies and tips. And one of the strategies and tips that I can throw out there for you is that you think it's bad news, but then you forget companies have insurance. Tesla will upgrade free of charge the EMMC on your vehicle with an enhanced 64 gigabyte card versus the 8 gigabyte card that's in it. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a tough repair. And in fact, it may give you a reason to visit a showroom and see a new version of a Model X. As Tesla has been putting a big push on being able to service their vehicles live in store, which is a weird thing to say because when I say in store, their repair centers haven't really been repair centers up until recently. And now you can get your body work done at a Tesla service center, which, again, one of the advantages Tesla has is they didn't walk into a lot of legacy ways of doing business. So the Fords and the General Motors kind of came up with these manufacturing plants that ultimately were unionized. Tesla hasn't unionized. That's a big previous legacy cost of business. Tesla has now said, not only can we sell you a car, but we could service it at our locations and do body repair at our locations. The Tesla bodywork is concerning because it's an expensive vehicle and you tend to not want your typical body shop doing it. 
versus a Tesla body shop only because of eh, vanity. So Tesla says they can do it. Remember a couple of years ago, Tesla Tesla said a lot of stupid things through the years. I, I guess that should be the title of the segment. Tesla says a lot. What do they deliver on? Well, they delivered on the ability to repair bodywork in Tesla store, service centers. That's a plus. But some areas where they passed on was a couple of years ago, probably like seven years ago, when Tesla really started selling vehicles. They said, we will buy your Tesla back at the exact price you paid for it three years later if you want us to. So it was like a three-year guarantee that it would hold its value, which is unheard of in the automobile industry. They never really honored that. Tesla said a couple of years ago, and when I say a couple, I should probably say five to seven. We could sell insurance. We could sell Tesla insurance better than anyone else can because we'll be able to repair the vehicles ourselves. Now they're starting to get there. Remember when Amazon says things like, we sell books and CDs. Oh, and by the way, we can get groceries there too. Oh, and by the way, we can get pills, your pharmaceuticals. That vertical of instead of just things that you don't really need, books and CDs, to things that you really need, food, to things that you have to have, pharmaceuticals, is a vertically driven business model. And Wall Street loves it because we've never, ever seen anything like it. In the case of Amazon, we're like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. They're going to start offering healthcare to their own employees because they're starting offering drug deliveries to you and me, the customer. Wait, 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 wait. Are you kidding me? They're one of the largest employers in the nation. They're going to be doing their self-insuring. The answer is yes. Other companies will follow. Down the road, I totally expect Amazon to start a for-profit university with, in the short term, how do they get people to work for the company, offering them free education? And then how do we get the people that don't want to work for the company forever working for the company? offering them discount education. How do we get the rest of America involved education? If telemedicine takes off, teleeducation will take off. Is the idea, and I'm not speaking for Amazon when I say that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Sitting in for CFP, Chad Burton. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I just talked a little bit about Elon Musk tweeting. And that creeps me out a bit. In the sense that I value companies differently than with what other people think or tweet. Maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm flawed. I'm sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. It can become frustrating when you see things work on Wall Street. You're like, why am I not a part of that? CFP Chad Burton and myself talked on Friday afternoon before the long weekend. And it was pretty interesting because he goes, are you getting the same thing I'm getting? And I'm like, what are you getting? And he goes, I get a lot of a lot of questions about GameStop when it's probably the worst idea of the planet for people. That's when people want to be part of GameStop. I'm like, I hear ya. I hear ya. In the end, it will find its own level, which you think it did before 
the poop storm hit. They've been publicly traded for 10 plus years. Plenty of time to figure out if they were a winner or a loser. They'd gone through the Napster revolution from a distance watching musical downloads, CDs be burned and ripped and shared aggressively, which led to the disruption of, the, of, of our age. Anything that can go digital has gone digital. Anything that can be serviced on a phone has been serviced on a phone. And in some cases, both. So GameStop, which sells video games and resells used video games, which was kind of the unique rub that they had, the spice that they could put on their meat to make it sizzle, was that they would buy back your MLB 2015 when you were ready for the 2016 version, you would pay the premium price for that. Then they would res they would sell buy yours for five bucks and resell it for 20 bucks. Good business if you can get it, but they sat and they got a little fat. They got a little lazy on that as we continue to see, and this has happened to us all. I believe <laughs> my kids don't know what a CD player is anymore, even though they grew up with one in the car. It's been since they were two or three, since we had CDs, one of my games, one of my tricks to get women to fall in love with me was I used to burn them CDs for Christmas and Thanksgiving whenever we'd do road trips together. And then when they would be driving to work the following week, they'd be like thinking of me. My kids don't know what the hell that even means, burning a CD. They now know Spotify and Apple Music like the back of their hands, right? So GameStop has managed to survive until recently when the Blu-ray DVD is kind of gone the way of the dodo bird. Just five years ago, I bought a Blu-ray DVD player for like $19 after my first one was $250. Then it became $200, then $150, then $100, then $75, $50, $45, $40, $35, $30. And then you can get it for $19. And when typically when prices drop like that, it'll eventually become a commodity, and it did. It's a commodity that we don't need anymore because video games used to take hundreds of megs, thousands of gigs, and it would take up just an enormous amount of bandwidth to download a game versus getting it pressed on a, a Blu-ray DVD. And then we got to the unlimited internet, and then we got the faster internet, thus saying bye-bye to the DVD. So GameStop is a company that's been should have found its own level. And I think it did up until a month ago when the shorts got involved with the longs. And we're not talking about a family of, of rednecks who happen to produce moonshine, the shorts and the longs. We're talking Wall Street, big money. So I'm not going to get into the right and the wrong of it. And can GameStop now with a inflated valuation go out and acquire another company? Probably not. They could try to grow into that valuation in the years to come. Should they do something with that inflated valuation? In theory, yes. But I think we all know that after 10 years of, of running through it, they were left for dead for a good reason, as the new Xbox Series X and the Sony PlayStation 5 came with versions with the Blu-ray DVD player and versions without the Blu-ray DVD player. Thus, acknowledging and nodding that digital downstreams were alive and well. 
So I get what has happened with GameStop, and I get how it's been a little bit manipulated, but how a trend killed it. But let's talk about trends on the other side of the fence. Instead of looking at the short term, I like looking at the long term trends. For the longest time now, we've been talking about e-commerce. I get emails asking me about GameStop, and I, I, I roll my eyes. I love it when I get emails asking me about e-commerce. Do you think it's going to stick around? I do. And I think the e-commerce plays are pretty smart. Amazon, Walmart, Target, Shopify, Microsoft, Adobe, Salesforce, ServiceNow, Facebook, Alphabet, and Etsy. Those are the, the players you don't need to go further. You could. You could certainly identify FedEx and UPS as e-commerce plays, but you don't have to. What is another long-term trend? There's the stay-at-home COVID long-term trend, and there's the reopening COVID is going to get behind us trade. Again, not hard to come up with a list of winners, of which I wish I got more calls like this or emails along this lines versus something stinky like GameStop that probably is going to be right where it started, a struggling company. Not playing into digitization, getting wiped out because of it. But the reopening trade to me is obvious. It's Disney and Boeing. Maybe you can go as far as Honeywell, but I don't think you need to. Digitization, what killed GameStop, has made companies like Snowflake and Salesforce and Adobe alive and well. Cybersecurity, we keep hearing about Chinese hackers. Sometimes we hear about Russian hackers. On my phone recently, I saw an alert that I told all my family about. The alert said, update your software immediately. Apple's been hacked. And I was like, I wonder if that's serious, because that's never happened. Not like that. Update your software immediately. And the next day, I saw every one of your passwords has been compromised because you did an update. And I'm like, no. No, this has got to be kidding. This has got to be a joke. I have to change every password, every password day. Yep. So cybersecurity, names like CrowdStrike, Palo Alto Networks, Zscaler, and Okta, OKTA, all are names that are part of the trend. Some 23, 24 years ago, I made the hilarious mistake, which was not um, anything other than coincidence. It was not ironic, but I said, who are these people who open email attachments and get viruses? Who are these people? Who are these idiots that they get the blue screen of death from a virus infection? That Are they that stupid? And that night I get home and I'm sitting at my computer and I get an email. Someone sent me a picture of Anna Kornikova, the hot tennis player from Russia. And I'm like, ooh, I want to see her in a bikini. Click, click. Oh, I got the Anna Kornikova virus. And there's no amount of anti-inflammatories that are going to help this one. I was pissed. I brought it on myself. I deserved it. 
but trends are okay. 5G. Who has 5G and loves it? No one. Who knows about 5G and thinks they'll love it? Everyone. So until we get there, I think you could own companies like Apple and Qualcomm. I think you could own a company that does towers. I know you're saying towers. Have you ever been driving and you saw like a, you're in the woods and you see that uh, a tree that looks like a funny tree. It seems to have apparatus strapped onto it, but oddly enough, it looks kind of organic. It's a radio tower. It's a cell phone tower. And you're like, oh, you slowly figure it out. And every time you go to the mountains, you get cell phone coverage. And every time you come back, you get cell phone coverage. And there's sometimes little spots where you're like, I don't get cell phone coverage. It's because there's no tower from Crown Castle sitting close by that Verizon or AT&T can strap their equipment onto. Those towers cost money. They, they, they're city permits. They're county permits. They're state permits. And the beautiful thing about them is they're literally towers. And you don't have to use a jet pack to go up to them. You don't have to have this invisible elevator that no one else could see. You got to climb it and put your equipment on it after you climb it. So it's not going to cost a lot of money to run said tower. It's going to cost a lot of money to get said tower put in place inside of a county, inside of a state, inside of a, a highway band, so to speak. You don't like that as an investment? Maybe you like Marvel Technology or Broadcom or NXP Semiconductors or Skyworks. They're all 5G trends. How about China? I come up with three names for China. Yum Brands, because of Kentucky Fried Chicken. For some reason, Kentucky Fried Chicken does really well in Japan and China. There's Apple, which is kind of like the blue jeans of the 1980s, where Russians want blue jeans. We want Levi's. They want it to be Western, and the best way they could do it was the Levi jeans. Now it's Apple phones and Starbucks and Nikes along with a little KFC owned by Yum Brands. I'd rather play in trends than companies that are like uh, the church of what's working now or the momentum play of the day. Time's on my side, and I want to keep it that way. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. GameStop and Silver falling as Reddit Effect loses its shine. Shares in GameStop and the price of silver falling after both were boosted. In the very, very short term, I guess I keep coming back to this in large part. Like I said, CFP Chad Burton and myself talked on Friday, and he was like, are you getting what I'm getting? I'm like, what are you getting? And he goes, just that surge of people who want to own GameStop. They want to break the bank. They want to beat Wall Street. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting that too. And today, GameStop down 40%. Yesterday, down 30%. Those are tough losses to overcome. Keep in mind when you lose 50% in investment, you have to make up 100% to get back to even. Very few and very rarely in my life do I see a stock go up 100% in a, a short period of time. 
So I'm very, very cautious about it to the point of I may seem like an old fogey or kind of like bitter that I missed it. I didn't miss it. I missed two weeks. I'm okay with that. If I miss two years, I'm freaked out. If I miss 10 years, I've wasted an investment career, but two weeks, nothing. Am I happy that the rooster has come home to roost or the chickens have come home to crow or the crows have come home to roost or the chickens and the roosters and the crows? I don't even know. The point being is that it's not the way I invest. And it's very uncomfortable for me to try to convince you to invest that way or not to invest that way. To me, I'm a theme type of person for my sexy investments. A theme or a trend. Maybe it could be the aging of the baby boomers. Maybe it could be the aging of the millennials. Millennials go through a job cycle of college days are over. Let's live with mom and dad. There's an investment theme there. Let's go from living with mom and dad to finding an apartment on our own. Let's get an apartment on our own once we get a bank account tied towards a job. Once we get bank account tied towards a job, let's go out and spend some money on some clothes. While we spend money on clothes, let's go out and get a credit card like a Visa MasterCard. While we're shopping for clothes at Banana Republic, let's consider, you know, since we look nice at work and members of the opposite sex are coming up and complimenting us, let's consider getting our own apartment so that we can have some private time together without mom and dad's hanging out. Our kid sister, our kid brother going, what's, what's your girlfriend's name? <laughs> and you're like, I didn't know my brother was such a psycho, but he apparently is. So then you get your little apartment and you're like, what do I put in it? And oddly enough, it's things like Williams Sonoma or Home Depot. Or maybe it's GameStop with video. Whoops, can't say that one because that's not part of my trend. Could have been in the long term a millennial play, but in the long term, that trend didn't hold with digitization. And yet, Activision Electronic Arts, Take Two, NVIDIA, and AMD have aged with the millennials getting their own homes and their own video game systems. So that's how I would rather play it kind of a long term, real dollar kind of scenario, not a let's bid the stock up and hope for real dollars to follow. January was a blockbuster month for IPOs, but it too makes me nervous and unsettled. And I know you're saying you're sounding like an old man. I once had an old man sit next to me and I was eating a big old filet, not a filet, but a ribeye, just a big old ribeye, probably a 10 ouncer, maybe a blackened and it was delicious. And he looked at me and he goes, I can only eat hamburger. I can only taste hamburger now. I can't taste that. It's too rich for me. Sucks for you. But on the outside, I was like, that's very interesting. But on the inside, it's like, sucks for you. Don't talk to me. I'm eating. I'm enjoying it. But as I got older, I'm now the guy who's like, I don't like these IPOs. I want things the way I like the old fashioned IPOs, the ones where like Goldman Sachs or, or like uh, ISI research would recommend them and say, we have a buy alert on this IPO. It's new, and we brought them public, and they paid us to bring them public, and it seems like a conflict of interest between our research department and our brokerage department, and it is a conflict of interest, but we still say a buy, and I'm like, sweet! Now companies are coming public in like reverse SPACs, and I'm like, what exactly is a SPAC? 
because to me, speckling is like putting stuff in your walls to try to get the paint to stick back on. Something along those lines. And when IPOs are hot and sexy, it's telling me, watch out. Too many, too fast, too much money. It's taking money from other ideas. So if 20 IPOs come out one month and the next month, 40 IPOs come out and they all do well, it's like GameStop doing really well. Money's going towards that. Even though Apple had the greatest freaking fracking quarter of all time, no one's rewarding that. People are rewarding this company that has no revenue, that has no earnings, that has no future. So same thing with IPOs. It's like, I'm okay with the process a little bit at a time, but when it turns into a waterfall of IPOs, that's when I'm like, I wonder if this is going to end badly, because it typically does. This year's hottest IPO of the year, keep in mind, we just turned the page to February, is a company called Playtica. I don't know this. It's an Israeli mobile company, raised about 2.2 billion. Ticker symbol is PLTK. Now you remember in 2020, the rush was to get Uber and Lyft out, even though there was a pandemic. Whoops, they didn't time that correctly, right? And the IPOs underperformed for a good period of time in that you know two-year period post honeymoon phase they struggled like what what do we see ourselves as a pre-pandemic play as a pandemic play as a post-pandemic play then there was the elections where they have to pay their employees a little bit more they have to help with health care there was kind of a determination of are gig workers legit or not legit and now they're kind of finding their own legs and i think the buyers and sellers will match up better than initially like ooh, it's the next microsoft or the next apple or the next ooh, facebook i don't like that short-term money chasing thing. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Find Chad Burton at chadburton.com.